Instagram. It's been a while since I've done a live, but I thought I would do today's Q&A podcast live with Ruth, who will hopefully shortly be joining. Um, what else do I have to say today? It's very windy here. If anyone wanted a weather update, there's Ruth. And yeah, if anyone's got any questions live, fire away. Um, if not, we're going to use the questions that we need to get through from the Commit to Six group. If you're thinking, oh God, I wish I could join the Commit to Six group, I know, right? And you can to start on Monday. If you have any questions about that, DM me. If not, head over to esgfitness.co.uk forward slash commit to six. Um, one more thing I was going to discuss just because I just had this conversation with a client and it really resonates with me. Now, I don't know if this is like a me thing, a them thing, an ADHD thing, whatever. But I think one of the reasons that people struggle with flexible dieting is often because it's too flexible. And actually, people miss a bit of structure with their diet. And that's exactly why we structure a lot of people's diets and then give them some flexibility as well. So you kind of want this balance between structure and flexibility. And I think people, as usual with health and fitness things, sway between one side and the other. So they're either way too flexible and then you end up getting really fatigued about the amount of choices that you're making, or you're way too rigid and you have no flexibility within your diet. And I think people only see like black and white, like these two sides of it, and they forget like the middle ground of you can have some structure and some flexibility, which is exactly what we do on Commit to Six and exactly what I do when clients maybe don't want to track and they're using the three to one method where you have more structure during the day, where you're not making loads of food choices during the day, where you kind of just tick the boxes and then you've got more flexibility in the evening when you're more likely to be sociable, when you've got more time to enjoy food. And that works incredibly well. And now I've realised that um, I've just been letting Ruth... Um, Happy World Menopause Day. Hey, Emma. Hi, Alex. Hello. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I was listening, though. And you're right that we get the people that need a bit more structure, so or like the structure and those that want a bit more flexibility so then that's where the check-ins come in really handy isn't it because all the groups so they can shout out for help so yes get both sides i mean i do think a lot of people come in having done quite like structured diets which obviously like the reason that hasn't worked is because it's not suitable for their lifestyle and essentially what happens is you start to make sacrifices not compromises And then you resent the process and then you give up, right? But then you sometimes flip to being like too flexible, having no structure whatsoever. And then it's like the decision fatigue that comes with that. So I think there's like a, there's a fine line. There's definitely a fine line. There's definitely a fine line. And like you said, no one person is the same with this, which is where it's important people tell us what they're, finding and actually also seeing that pattern because sometimes people are going I don't know why things aren't working and and you can see it it's like because there is no structure there and often that definitely do you know what on this point I would say and this is one thing that we've 
brought in more recently, like these range targets, so staying between your range. This is another thing with flexible dieting, and, and often when I've, we've worked with people for a period of time and they're maybe sticking to what they think is their average calories, but they're not getting results. So let's say you're like, I'm sticking to 1,600 calories on average per week, but I'm not getting the result that I want. And based on our calculations, like 1,600 is going to be a significant deficit. You should be losing fat. What's normally happening when you look a little bit closer is that during the week, they're cutting their calories really low and then they're eating a lot on the weekend. And when you eat high, like more highly palatable foods or you're eating out, like the inaccuracies, the inaccuracies of tracking become even more inaccurate. And actually what could be happening is that you think you're on 1600 calories, but you're not. And my advice, if you're in that situation would be to stay within a range. Like it's all well and good to be like, it's average calories that matter. And you're right. But given the inaccuracies, actually staying within a range of calories instead of being like really low and then really high you'll get better results your mood will be better your performance will be better and your energy levels will be better and I just think you can go too far with the flexibility yeah an average is fine in to an extent but if you're going super low so that you can go super high at the weekend then that is going to be really hard to manage because you're going to be exhausted during the week when you need to be on it because you're working and going to the gym and all of those things so yeah agree agree the ranges are working well actually i think it's the psychology of it as mm. well like if you're so many people like i've gone 50 calories over my target and then they just give up and you think come on you're still in a massive deficit you're still making progress and then yeah. actually it's the range that stops them they're like okay well the way that we set these targets by the way is that we'll set like, let's say it's 1600 to 2000 calories, anywhere within that range, you're going to be in a deficit. Mm. But the fastest, like, you know, if you're, if you're closer to what we like deem your like optimal, so like 1600 for faster fat loss, then you'll lose fat quicker. But if you're anywhere between those two, then you're making progress. And yeah. I think that's the most important thing. Like if you can just end every day being like, yeah, I'm a little bit closer to my goal. Some days you'll be, you know, moving quicker other days you won't be moving as quick but that's what stops people going like one step forward and three steps back when they feel like they've ruined everything for going over their calories and a lot of people are using that kind of going okay during the week I find it really easy to hit 1600 but on a Saturday I find it harder so I'm going to go from 2000 and then they're not undoing all of their hard work from the week which is what kind of the psychology can feel like if they like that's fine that Sunday then becomes bad right because they go oh well I'll reset on Monday so I might as well just have this day as well and that keeps happening and then you can eat back those calories that you've had as a deficit so and then yeah you get into that horrible like over restriction over indulgence cycle and I think the worst part about that is that you actually have to work really hard during the week Mm. And then you're still not getting results because you then end up overindulging because you've over-restricted. Like, I think people miss that about the overindulgence, over-restriction. It's like, you're probably working way harder than you need to work. Actually, if you were just quite moderate most of the time, not only would you get better results, but it would be easier as well. And then people kind of get caught up of like, is this too easy for fat loss? Like, I'm not starving. I'm not hating it. I'm not over-restricting myself. And that becomes a bit of a psychological thing as well. Um, we just had a question here about what sort of range we're looking at. 
and essentially our calculation is based on what's going to be optimal for you for fat loss and then also around maintenance now usually if you come to us for commit to six and you have a fat loss target we'll set it just below maintenance right so we know that you're definitely within that range you are definitely going to be in a deficit um someone's just saying they use ranges and it's a game changer yeah so you know that if you're within that you're always moving forward yeah um and actually i had somebody um the other day saying on their check-in that what their non-scale victory was that they went out and had an, a meal out and then didn't feel like they needed to over restrict the following day which is exactly how we want it to be and i've also got another client who's like i don't know i didn't think it was going to be this easy and she's just breezing now and that's the thing it doesn't need to be often as hard as we try and make it but it can be hard if we make it hard <laughs> we'll keep it simple Always did keep it simple. basically sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's not hard yeah no i know you mean when you when you focus your efforts in the right place it becomes a hell of a lot easier i think most people think it's more the longevity of it like how long can you stick to it rather than over, like people think that they can stick to something short term and get results but what's going to get you way better results is moderate long term because that yeah yeah and also it's unrealistic to expect the same from yourself every single day i don't eat the same food like the same amount of calories every single day because if i'm feeling poorly or something i might eat a different amount or if i'm if i'm doing more activity i might just naturally have a little bit more but it's still pro probably because i'm not tracking it probably within a range because it's keeping me in maintenance and i think it people kind of go oh, i'm feeling really poorly today and i messed up because i've had 200 more calories but actually that's fine because some days you probably do want to have a little bit more and other days you probably are going to have a little bit less and that's how life is. oh look at lisa great program to be on would definitely recommend if you're thinking of joining thanks lisa She's very, um, it's lovely to have her on the program as well yeah, i can see a few names i recognize she's amazing um one thing i was going to say on that re like your best looking different every single day something i've started doing and we've spoken about a bit on commit to six and i want to like encourage more people to do this is just take i say 10 minutes could be five minutes in the evening to be like you'll probably know by the evening realistically what's going to happen the next day like maybe how you're feeling if you're unwell if you know you've got like i don't know a long train journey it's going to be hard to get your steps in like set your targets for the next day that are realistic go in with intention rather than like letting things just come at you be proactive instead of reactive to it so you're just mm -hmm. writing down like okay well tomorrow this is what i plan this is what's going to happen and some days that might be lower because you know you've got other priorities and some days that might be like i can nail everything tomorrow and that would be different um what is the checking process do you chase up if someone hasn't posted slash you you messaged their progress um okay so the the way that commit six bikes is you will have a check-in every other week one-to-one -one with your coach you'll be emailed this to remind you to put it in. And I also really recommend that one, I love Google Calendar anyway, so I think everyone should be using it, right? But I would put that into your calendar as like, you know, like you would with a personal training session, like you wouldn't miss it, it's time allocated to sit down, to review your week, to send it in 
we set aside time to reply to those. So like, it can't be late. And we're quite strict on that. And the one thing that we ask from clients essentially is to get your check-in in on time and to reach out if you need help. Mm. We, we're like, we're pretty good coaches, right? Been doing this while we get incredible results, but we're not mind readers. So you need to be like, yeah, I'm struggling. And you will always be met with support and complete non-judgmental, you know, whatever you're struggling with, we want to help you with it. We're your, you know, we're as invested in your goals as you are, but we can't know what's going on if you don't speak to us. So coaching is like a two-way communication street. And and actually I'm quite strong on this. Like I'm not gonna chase you. I'm not an admin. Like if you don't do your check-ins, then you won't get feedback. Like it's it is a two-way street and that has to come from you as well. Much like if you sign up and don't do anything it'll be a complete waste of money if you sign up and commit to this it will completely change your life but there yeah. has to be the emphasis from you and i'm not gonna <clears throat> i don't know like underplay that like you have to commit to the process to get an outcome yes and and i think that's the thing if you can commit to your check-ins at the beginning then we will help you when you're finding it hard and and that's the thing you're not saying that every day is going to be a breeze because if you've got big goals and you're you know finding some days are harder because you've got family and so on trying to fit everything we will tell you what to focus on and help you adjust as needed so that you are still making progress towards your goals without feeling overwhelmed by doing everything and that's the check-in that you can shout out obviously on the group but the check-in is the valuable bit because that's just between us it's not Mm. it's not anyone else it's just that kind of one-to-one -one time yeah um, and it's I'm actually like what's gone well over the last two weeks what could be better where are the biggest stumbling blocks what's coming forward over your next two weeks what adjustments might we need to make and the other thing that I will say is that like exactly what Rufus said commit to doing your check-ins like if you are thinking of signing up and you're like oh, I don't I don't know if I can commit to much like you like that's the one thing we ask for so if you can't do that like don't sign up but also you're uncoachable uncoach like you need to be able to communicate or you need to be able to at least reach out and what's hard is it's the check-ins that you don't want to do that are the most important ones right the weeks that haven't gone so well they're the ones we want to hear about they're the ones we want to help you with um this is funny because jules has just logged on to this but jules is incredible she's she's so strict with her check-ins that she will just turn off her check-in form like that she's like you have whatever it is, like 12 hours to check in, outside of that, form just gets shut off, right? Like, you cannot, you cannot use it anymore. And I actually think she gets more check-ins because she does that. Because she's like, this is your time allocated. And it's much like, you wouldn't just like not turn up to a personal training session. Mm. But it should, yeah. you should see your check-ins as the same. Like, it, and it shouldn't just be like on the go, like set aside time to have a cup of tea, sit down, get like, 15 minutes on your own to review your progress because it's so so important and it's so valuable and actually a discussion we had on the AFM mastermind the other week was about like how to how to keep clients adherent and how to get them better results and one of the things we noticed and then there was like some data on this as well is that most people give up at like three to four weeks in right we always talk about the dip like that dip in motivation You've been working really hard, but maybe you haven't quite seen the results that you want yet. And so there's a little bit more work to do, but it's not all shiny and new anymore. So you're kind of like realizing that it's going to take a while. And what's interesting as well is that normally it's like week sort of five, six that you start to see really big physical changes. But a lot of people give up at that little dip at week three and four. 
this is why we changed the program then to just kind of give you like something new to get your teeth into and we have a group call then but i would say now if you're starting and you're like i don't want to be that person that gives up at week four or week three or four commit to doing your check-in that week like mm -hmm. and, and commit to if you are thinking about that fine if you want to give up fine but you have to do your check-in because I can assure you, we can convince you not to do that. But really, the difference between someone that gives up and not is often just that like bit of reassurance at the right time. Um, yeah. Oh, who's this? Ruth has been my coach for the last two months. I've lost weight and I've integrated weight training in my daily routine. Oh. Ruth has been incredible. Thank you, Ruth. Oh, oh thank you, Cassie. <laughs> it's always nice to see. I tell you what, they're such a lovely community of women and my one-to-ones and the um the uh commit six because you want to go in there and be loved it's the place to be definitely the other day i was like uh you guys i'm gonna have to screenshot this and send it to my husband <laughs> because they were being really sweet so what was it yeah, he not... said this morning about um <laughs> He just quoted you, Emma, but in the wrong way. So my, my husband, I've been um, helping his mate um, a little while back in Canada with some exercises, and he's getting really fit, and he's getting a bit stacked. And and um, he's like, oh. And then he went, okay, I know I shouldn't complain about the results I haven't got, but oh, can you just, that was it, can you just let me complain a little bit about the results I didn't get from the work I didn't do? <laughs> And I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> and that's, I sent it straight to Emma because I was like, guess what he just said. Um, oh. Yeah. But he won't let me do anything to pitch him. Anyway, do you want me to read a question? Yeah. I mean, we are 17 minutes in and we haven't done a question yet, but what, yeah, well, last why time, did you have it? Last time we did three questions in about an hour, so. <laughs> Great. And we did well. Okay, I've got one from Gemma. It says, it's about creatine. Um, said I'm 46, perimenopausal and suffer from brain fog, hot flashes and many other wonderful symptoms of perimenopause. How does creatine help to support perimenopause and the menopause symptoms? How long does it need to be taken to start to have an impact and why is there temporary weight gain on starting to take creatine? And um, that's something important to mention isn't it? And, why, and when and why does this wane? Thank you. Uh, loads of people ask about the weight gain in, with creatine, so it's probably a good one to mention here. Yeah. Um, okay, there's a lot of questions yeah. there, so if I forget them, just like I, remind. I'm going to go first of all. Like, the, why would you take take creatine during menopause? What symptoms can it help with? So it's primarily most of the research suggests it helps with brain fog. Is the is the main thing? It's probably you know there's no evidence to say it reduces hot flushes or help to sleep cool. but there is research to show that it reduces brain fog um also interestingly that like the general guidelines are about three to five grams menopausal women seem to benefit from taking slightly more than that um so 0 0.1 grams per kilogram body weight one time i said one gram per kilogram body weight and then i was like oh wait sorry <laughs> much protein, protein. <laughs> yeah 0.1 grams so if you weighed 70 kilograms it'd be seven grams okay there we go and i, I guess the only other thing is that the um often because you, you're losing a little bit of muscle mass during this stage of life a little bit more that it's always good to have something that's going to help your performance as well i guess so 
um yeah, yeah yeah so i mean sorry i was just thinking about like direct symptoms yeah. but yeah the other benefit is that it's harder to build muscle with the reduction in estrogen so anything that's going to help you on that front is beneficial and then as a kind of like further down the line from that another thing that is common is um a reduction in bone mineral density now the stronger you are the more weight you lift the more like talk on those bones it's going to strengthen your bones as well so basically it's a win-win-win it's a good one to take it is a good one to take so then she said how long does it need to be taken to start to have an impact so normally i would say uh, probably two to three weeks and interestingly like the opposite is true right if you stop taking it it normally takes like two to three weeks to kind of get fully out of your systems to like pre-supplementation levels and that's an interesting well not interesting but useful thing to know because some people are like oh my god I forgot to take creatine for a day what's gonna happen or something like that so you don't need to stress about that it's not like it, your stores will just suddenly like disappear but obviously you want to take it consistently and, and she hasn't asked this, but it's something that gets asked quite a lot is the time of day. Like a lot of people think that they need to take it just before their workout. Um, and I and I guess that people ask about that as well. I'm sure there's people wondering, when should you take it? Well, I'm glad that you asked Ruth because it doesn't really matter when you take it. Mm -hmm. I think the important thing is, well, one, it doesn't act acutely, right? So it doesn't really matter when you take it. You can take it at any point, but I would, habit stack it with something so like I, mm. while i'm making my coffee in the morning yeah that's what i i put mine i take all my uh, supplements together at the same time in the morning because i would forget otherwise if i took it i would never take it with me to the gym i'd always forget um okay and then the what next one is about the weight gain that you might get with, with creatine yeah and this isn't i know people are like oh you might get didn't you say short-term weight gain temporary weight yeah. gain no it's not temporary mm -hmm. it's uh, it's just that if you're on a fat loss goal it's good <laughs> yeah like i mean so basically the reason that you're gaining weight is because when you take creatine you require water to store that creatine and mm. that's why you gain weight right much like when you eat carbohydrates and they're stored in your muscle you require carbohydrate to sorry you require water to store that carbohydrate so you gain a bit of weight it's not body fat so it doesn't matter it's also within your muscles so people talk about water retention and people think oh like puffy that's not what it looks like it's stored within your muscle with the creatine um the other kind of like backhanded benefit of being a woman is that if you're quite small and you don't have that much muscle mass thus you don't have that much capacity to store a lot of creatine you're not going to see much weight gain anyway so that's great <laughs> like if you've got a ton of muscle mass and let's say you're a vegan so you get almost no creatine in your diet then you'll put on more weight than someone who's like not that muscular and eats meat for example um, yeah i think that's awesome if you take your creatine with caffeine this shouldn't be done mm, dubious evidence around that um some people think it's because the the effect is similar to the effects of, of caffeine but i think that's kind of been debunked a little bit so i wouldn't particularly worry about when you're taking it around caffeine i think it's yeah better to take some than yeah none because you're having a coffee okay 
I've got next, do you want to go to the next question? Are we done yeah. with that one? Oh, it says two questions. Um, question one, struggling with upper body due to shoulder pain when doing anything lateral. Uh, it's, it, she's got a shoulder impingement or tendonitis. Should I rest, work through it? What would you advise? I mean, I, you can definitely. say go to a physio. <laughs> I think, I know yeah. that it's like our standard answer, but like we, yeah. Much like I would hope that if a physio was asked about nutrition stuff, they'd be like, go and see someone who knows about nutrition, right? Like, I'm not a physio. And, and I certainly wouldn't say work through it. That's very not a good idea when you're injured. Normally, a physio will give you some exercises to do and, that, and you'll kind of know that range of movement. But I would always get a check because, like you said on there, it could be one of two things as well, which makes it a bit harder. Um, Okay, next question is really struggling to understand why I'm being told there are false, like high readings on the scales, as in how you can no, have a I high reading. So this question I saw before, and it's essentially about how I always like, so the way that we get people to use the scales on commit six is one of two ways. You either weigh yourself every single day, first thing on the same scales, and you take your lowest weight of the week. And this is the most accurate way to use the scales. And what I will caveat that with, it's still inaccurate, right? Like the scales don't directly measure fat loss ever, but this, this reduces some of the noise around that data. Or you get your head down, you focus on the process and you don't weigh yourself for 30 days. Like those are two options. Weekly weigh-ins to me are stupid. They put you off, they're so inaccurate. Like it, it, I don't think it's good data to look at. So those are two options. So this question is basically like why do we only look at the lowest weight instead of looking at like, like the average which is actually what most people go for they're like yeah weigh yourself every day and then take the average the reason that i don't do that is because unless you you've had like sickness and diarrhea or you're very dehydrated for some reason your lowest weight is way more representative of your body composition than like any fluctuations in higher weights just because, I don't know, you had a salty meal on one of the days and you've retained a bit of water and it was high carbs, why should that impact your average if you've had a, like a lower weight as well? Like it's not, you'll get way more predictive uh, scale weight from looking at your lowest weight as opposed to looking at the average. Yeah, I, I'd say that unless you're in a sauna or something and then weighing when you get out of the sauna. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fine, isn't it? Um, okay, next question. OMG, Emma and coaches, this is a new one. Alleged doctor on TikTok, if you drink too much water, you'll wash out all your minerals so you actually not retain any of the water and end up dehydrated despite drinking four litres of water in one day. Whilst I drink to thirst and don't wonder how much I'm drinking, I just look at the colour of my pee, lol. Is there any validity or, to this statement? So that's a child breaking something in the background. Above, or are, are we calling BS? Many thanks, sending love. I'm just going to shut that door. Okay, no problem. Um, so whenever I hear something like this, I'm like, where's the, there's normally an element of truth somewhere that's being like completely misinterpreted. You know how like with, I don't know, the insulin hypothesis or like carbohydrates and stuff, like there's an element of truth somewhere that's like being taken out of context. So I was trying to think like, what's the element of truth here? And I think it's that you will get more hydration from something with more minerals in than you will just from water, yeah. right? So like, you'll be more hydrated from 
drinking like milk than you will from drinking water yeah. because it slows gastric emptying there's other you know like you will absorb more um hydration from that i think that, that could be i mean obviously this is complete bullshit and most people don't like just drink water and then don't eat any food where they'd be getting minerals anyway but I, that's where i was thinking maybe that's that's like the the part they've been playing on i don't I, know i think that that's probably the part they're playing on i also think that people but when you hear you, you should drink this much water a day that they assume that only means water and I know that if you have got a fat loss goal, then the calories in your drinks obviously can feel like empty calories, but um, but there are water in other things. <laughs> and so it's, you know, if, it doesn't mean I'm gonna have this terrible tea, but I still need to get my two and a half liters of water in the day. There are things that, you know, everything else counts. Milk, for example, does count. Also food. Yeah, yes, yeah. You know, like most of, um, like fruit Great. has a lot of water yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah. I actually used to do that. I used to be like, oh, I really fancy some fruit. And I'd be like, or I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah, I do that. <laughs> I'm like, I think I need another apple. And then it's like, when did you last drink anything? <laughs> no, I do it all the time. And well, I'm like, I, no, I, I'm not I, hunger. That's I, okay. my, do you know what? If you just eat a cucumber, that's just like eating water. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I do say that like there's it's quite easy to get thirst and hunger cues mixed up mm. and that's why because sometimes I'm like oh um but yeah anyway there we go uh oh that is that can't be it oh no no I think, I think you then have to go all the way up to where we missed but... yes sorry <laughs> I thought I had started there but it's okay I've got it okay I remember hearing on one of the podcasts about no longer working out for strength and it made me question why I'm working out, obviously for the endorphins and for my future self, but would my workouts look different if I was training for strength or just to maintain the muscles I have? I'm not too bothered about becoming stronger and having huge PRs like I see from my peers in the gym. It's a CrossFit style gym, but I don't take part in the class anymore since I injured my lower back. I've been doing four strength sessions per week uh, that Andy set for her and I love them but I don't see massive PRs each week is this okay I'm training for fat loss currently but I'd say I have around 14 pounds to lose but I'm not in any rush for this to happen I just keep putting one foot in front of the other just intrigued to know basically if it's normal when training for fat loss to not be seeing PBs every week thanks um yes and no like if you're very new to training you probably will see PBs most weeks if you're it doesn't sound like you are and it also sounds like potentially you now are a little bit smarter with the way that you train because of your back. Like, so am I, right? Like, I'm not going to go for PBs. I'm certainly not going to be, like, deadlifting heavyweight. I mean, at all. But if I could deadlift, I wouldn't be, like, pushing it up. Because it's, like, the cost-benefit of it to me. Like, why do I want a deadlift PB that's going to cause me to potentially get injured? It's just not worth the risk for me. So it depends what you want. Now, you can absolutely build muscle without lifting heavy. Like, the fundamental to building muscle would be training volume. So I don't lift heavy at all. Like, I never... And that's all relative, right? But as a percentage of, like, my one rep max, like, I'm never doing, like, three reps to see how heavy I can lift something. Like, it's always kind of within, like, a 10 to 12 rep range, which is quite nice because you tend not to get injured touch wood so much in that rep range because you're not pushing yourself to the same extent and you're not pushing your form 
to the same extent like if you're doing three rep maxes like you're like and you're truly doing them like, your form is always going to be on the edge of like potentially not that great because you're pushing your body to its limit right um so if fat loss is your goal and body composition is your goal yeah fine i wouldn't change anything can i just give a little tangent in there it's because i think a lot of people um get the message that they have to lift heavy and it puts them off doing anything and especially see this with menopausal women because it's a big push on obviously strength training is really important but strength training to everyone can look different and i kind of think it's good or refreshing to hear that emma's there going well, i just do 10 to 12 reps and i'm not doing i'm not lifting relatively really really heavy because it doesn't have to be oh it doesn't have to be you can keep working your muscles hard you'd be so surprised what can maintain muscle like for about like when i was in london for probably about five weeks i only trained for 10 minutes a day like maybe 15 at a push i was really really busy and it just wasn't a priority but i still like to get in every day and that's partly like i cannot concentrate if i haven't done some kind of exercise but then you realize like it doesn't have to be loads of exercise right so i just did a little circuit every morning that was it i got my head in the right space and that that's what i did but i maintained muscle doing that i'm sure i didn't build any but actually compared to like what most people think that you need in terms of training volume that's very small and i think a lot of it's to do with the frequency and when like we work primarily with menopausal women now this is one thing that works really well for a lot of menopausal women and actually this is quite interesting because i was working with a one-to-one recently who was really struggling with consistency and, we'll, and it was like you know the standard like okay well let's just try for three times a week because she used to train four or five times sorry am i back yeah you're yeah. back i didn't know what sorry um oh my phone was running out of battery hold on uh yeah so she used to train three or four times a week and then she was just really struggling with consistency so we're like right let's just aim for three which would be the normal go-to and then i was like that wasn't really working so i was like let's try and train six times a week but short like short sharp consistent and the reason that it works is because you get into a routine like i think you know, I'm actually quite impressed with anyone who's like, yeah, I just train like three times a week. I'm like, but that's not a routine, <laughs> you know, like every day is slightly different. And I think that's partly my own ADHD dependencies. But also like once you get into a daily routine and hey, maybe that's different on the weekend, but say you train like Monday to Friday, the routine, it gets easier and easier to stick to if you do it every day. I think it's actually easier to train every like, you know, Monday to Friday than it is to train like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, a hundred percent. And anyway, we started doing that with her. Her adherence has gone up massively. She does it every morning. She knows what she's doing. She's getting up. She's just focused, gets it done. Way more product, like way more productive at work, higher energy levels. The other benefit is your body gets used to that routine. So there are certain things that will impact your circadian rhythm. These are known as a word that I can never say. I'm pretty sure it's zeitgeiber or something, but everyone says this slightly differently and it always cringes me out when people say it. So anyway, you have these things that impact your circadian rhythm. And one of them is exercise. One of them is like when you get up. One of them is food. So if you can actually, and this is essentially what we did. We looked at those things and we kept them consistent. And, the, and one of the biggest things with menopause is energy levels. And I think this is so overlooked. 
it's not just like you might be doing all the right things but you're doing them willy-nilly at different times willy-nilly <laughs> you know you're like instead of being like actually I get up at this time I exercise at this time I have my breakfast lunch dinner snack whatever at these times and being a bit more disciplined and regimented with it within a week you will see better energy levels because your body gets used to expecting these things at the, these times and you become consistent with it and once you're consistent and it's a routine it's also much easier to continue on top of that you end up if you're consistent with your eating the other benefit to this of of people who maybe struggle with hunger a little bit more is that you end up getting hungry when you're used to eating and then not hungry when you're used to not eating and this is the benefit of not like snacking all day and having set meal times so anyway what what uh i guess the point i was getting at is it might seem weird to be like oh you're struggling with consistency let's train more <laughs> but that's the kind of like rationale for it and it actually works really well yeah I, I see it as an extended morning routine really i mean obviously it can be done at different times of the day it's but day morning's good not morning. yeah yeah it doesn't have to be morning routine but i i quite like that um for like you say creating that routine no it's good um i think we've answered that question i i think we've answered about the fat loss <laughs> Because obviously I, I stole it. <laughs> the one about training for fat loss being different from training for strength. Yeah. That it's okay you not get PRs. So, yeah. Okay. Next question. Uh, I take the contraceptive pill constantly and don't have a bleed. Does that mean, A, I don't have a cycle? And B, therefore, the impact of different times of the month, the hunger and nutritional needs are not relevant to me. Thanks. Ooh. It, I, it, you want to uh, you you still get hormonal fluctuations on most contraceptive pills it will be reduced but yeah you might still get symptoms at certain times of the month you can still track when those symptoms are and then the other thing to remember as well is like i think people are so fixated on other things telling them how their body feels or like what they should expect and especially around cycle like so there's so many like influencers telling you that you will feel like this in this week of your cycle and in your luteal phase you should only do this and you won't be able to think this week and then you're going to be strongest this week is that the reality for you so instead of like looking at an app and andy talks about this all the time like he he's so like real with stuff that he, he's like i hate like the i don't know the sleep app or something where it's like like if i wake up feeling like shit and i haven't slept but my app says i've slept really well like you it's like reality you know like if i look outside and it's raining but my weather app says that it's sunny like what am i actually going to believe like i think we get so fixated now on you know data telling us how we feel as opposed to the reality of it and a really good one to just like call yourself out on is like when people say that they're definitely in a deficit because they're tracking on my fitness pal and it says that they're only eating whatever 1500 calories and they should be in this big deficit but they're not losing weight the truth is you're not in the deficit mm. like there's no like this is reality of what's happening in your body and this is an app which has loads of inaccuracies in it trust your body over an app all the time yeah agreed agreed and um the even if you're taking a contraceptive pill you are going to get fluctuations in your not sorry fluctuations in your hormones so it, it just, you know might be a bit harder to monitor and the same marina coil you still can have 
ovulation and everything is normal. So if it's not the pill, I know, but you can still have a completely normal cycle with um, a coil as well, can't you? Um, um, let's just answer this. So I have an ankle injury at the moment, so can't run or do any impact exercises. I can do strength work around it, but I am restricted. Is it still going to be beneficial to join commit six? Yes, we can absolutely work around injuries. Not a problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, oh, somebody has just asked about the coil as well. Um, and they find it hard to track their cycle and their symptoms. I mean, it's useful sometimes for reassurance. Like, I do like tracking my cycle um, just because I can kind of go, oh, that's why I feel like this. But it's more as a reassurance of a, okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm <yeah>. fine. <laughs> no, I'm not just a bitch. <laughs> Don't you think sometimes, so, like, when you're having a really, like, I won't lie, this week's been quite hard for me for numerous reasons. I found we've just changed over to a different app, right, which is so much better. And I've updated a load of things. We've made the course so much better. We've added in um, more resources for people who don't want to track calories, because I think that's a really big thing now. Um, more and more people on Commit6 so like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to track. And I still want to lose fat. Right, great. We've got you covered. If, if you're thinking about that like we can help you with that but it has been um a lot of work like not gonna lie it's been a lot of work and anyway i was like oh, i'm just not really dealing that well with this and i'm like is it the week before my period well do you know what it's not so i don't even have but you know you're like having a show, like is is there like a an excuse for this like damn it There's damn it i mean obviously being stressed can also affect your hormones so we'll just give you yeah. that honestly yeah. like the only reason that you're allowed to feel like sad or stressed is because it's the week before your period you can't have feelings at other points no no, no. i don't know what you're complaining about emma <laughs> no reason to be yeah um, she's been very busy very busy behind the scenes but it's gonna be it's already i'm getting good feedback from the people like on the group loving it so that's really positive you know what i, um, I dreamed about it last night that's how much it's um, to me. yeah yeah, that's definitely a sign that you've been doing it too much. Yeah. 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 Emma needs at least an hour off work. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually, I had an hour off today and I listened to a book that someone recommended to me. Oh, no, this is such a poor shit. So, oh, no, wait, here it is. I was going to say, I can't remember what the book's called. It's called Clear Thinking. And it's, it's I've, I'm only like a couple of chapters in, but it's very good. Oh, there you go that's good i was like i bet it's a work-based book i bet emma's downtime is oh uh, I, ruth i've yeah, never read a fiction book ever i i'm reading if i read a fiction book at bedtime and then during the day i do only so if i'm going for a walk or a run or anything like that that's when my other books go on or if i'm driving that's when my information books go on no that's i can't my... do fiction i'm like what like but what's the, point? the wrong type of fiction I've tried them all. Do you know what? It's what it like. It's the thing that I think my mum is most like disappointed in me for is that I just, I just can't. I mean, partly it's dyslexia, but now I have audiobooks. I'm just like, I just can't do it. In fact, Amelia gave me a book or recommended a book, The Midnight Library. Um, I got about half through that and I was like, mm. she's like, this book changed your life, changed my life. She's got a tattoo about it and everything. I was like, no, boring. I'm not in space. So I'm, I get recommended a lot of books and I end up reading ones with like mm. swords and shields and orcs. It's <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, don't judge. It's, I think this is what I think that it always surprises people, but I really like like 
heroic fantasy type books I like there'd be like a hero and and like and magic and all yeah you know what that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me <laughs> doesn't surprise you oh god there you go <laughs> but yeah that is it's a good thing Pardon? it's, it's, it's a, a good thing it's a yeah I do like it so that's my escape I don't want it to be real world I want to escape mm. and I do right anyway uh and chocolate this book, oh, yeah. this book, about clear thinking yeah. it is I, I mean I probably am enjoying it because it's essentially like loads of the stuff that we talk about and a big part of it is that like gap between like stimulus and response and how you make a choice and how so many people just react to things instead of responding to things and then it kind of talks through that and how that always becomes a problem whether it's in arguments whether it's like you're just like re like reacting to the food that's around you actually another point i was thinking about today yesterday i had to work from home i hate working from home and i think i ate like double the calories that i've eaten so far today like it and it just reminded me how much and i and then i worked in a coffee shop today wasn't really hungry but there just wasn't the option of eating. And I think so many people put so much pressure on or so much of their like quote unquote failure on like themselves as opposed to the interaction between themselves and the environment. Like you put you in a different environment mm. and your behaviors are very different. And most of us just think about like the behaviors that we're taking ourselves as opposed to like the environment around us and how we can change that in order to make it less likely that we're going to overeat that should be like as much of a focus as changing your own behaviors is like right okay well how do i set myself up to to make it more likely that i'm going to take make those changes and to me like that was just such a like click i mean i've i've definitely thought about this before but the the difference between yesterday and today is just like well you were just sitting at home with the kit like the kitchen is literally there yeah which is why you often say, and I know you say this, um, that when you're on holiday, sometimes it's actually easier to not be snacking all the time. I had that conversation with a client earlier, saying you're worried about being on holiday, but actually, unless you're doing an all-inclusive, you're going to have to go and physically get those things that you want, which makes it harder to do. Yeah. Um, okay. Somebody, yeah, sorry. Well, like, it's a totally different environment, and it's easier to form new habits a lot of the time in a totally different environment yeah yeah okay so the next one is what is the actual difference between normal yogurt and greek yogurt why is greek yogurt higher in protein than normal yogurt or is it it is but <laughs> i don't know no, do you know i don't know the difference but i know that heard it or something i know that greek yogurt has to come from greece otherwise it's greek style yogurt yeah it's greek style. Yeah. i have so it's greek style yogurt and i did always wonder that and also the greek yogurt does tend to be higher in protein or skaya yogurt is also higher in protein but i don't know if skaya yogurt has to be icelandic yogurt yeah it is i was like i don't know if it has to be icelandic yogurt or whether you can have skaya style yogurt <laughs> but um but i don't actually know the answer to that i know in theory the process should be the same I, i've got a feeling that like maybe they, they must just take like more of the fat out why is greek <laughs> it's strained greek yogurt different yogurt is it strained the whey is removed leaving behind the liquid and thus a thicker consistency this also tends to be higher protein content 
and give its signature sour flavor. Oh, sour. Oh, do you know what freaks me out? Like, you know when you open Greek yogurt and there's sometimes just like that, like watery stuff on top? Oh yeah, no, I don't like that. You have to mix it in. I didn't mix it in, I just pour it out. Oh, you could do that. I don't, I just mix it in. But, I um... remember one time I got like a big thing of peanut butter from like my protein or something and it came with like all the oil on top. Now, obviously you're meant to mix it in. Yeah. And I thought, oh, fucking gross. <laughs> I poured it all out and then it was just like, it was just literally peanuts after that. You can't spread it at all. <laughs> <laughs> you just end up with this hard love. But I mean, great. You know, you lowered the calories of that peanut butter a little bit. I mean, it made it impossible to eat. Um, it but, was uh, so, right. And um, the difference between, I, I think that it's quite a big difference, by the way, of protein levels between normal yogurt and Greek yogurt. And so I would always go for the Greek yogurt. Like, I think it's, Say it's 10 grams per, like if it's 100 grams, I think it's like four with normal yogurt. I'm sure I've looked this up not that long ago. Well, it's quite a big difference. Not all, all yogurts made equally. So, you know, no. they're like the higher protein yogurts that you get. Oh, wow. They're I'm pretty. comparing like a natural yogurt and a Greek yogurt here in my head rather than a, because obviously you get like the, um, the actual ones with added whey protein in them. Mm. Yeah, well, there you go. There we go. Right. Tick that one off. Next one. Chocolate in the evening or a sweet snack. Fine to keep if in calories. This scientifically makes sense as if still in a deficit you'd lose. Or should I learn to remove this as it's a habit rather than a need? I think I have a small addiction to a halo top. How much? Fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you've eaten really, it's, it's again, if you're having those other like less nutrient dense foods all day, then probably you want to be more but if you're just having that then you kind of just got to think like i think people are still whether they like acknowledge it or not so black and white about food like is this food good or bad should i have it or not it's like don't have it all the time and then i think if we say like yeah it's fine to have and be like oh cool i'll just have a high protein yogurt for every single meal no <laughs> but maybe like you know once a day that wouldn't be a problem it's mm. all poison is always in the dose yes yes uh, and that's with every, like you know you can have too much of a good thing as well if you only eat it um right okay is that that one i think that's covered that one pretty yeah. quickly um i'm in week five. Oh, well actually this is yeah little questions a little while ago oh. Oh. <laughs> week six of commit i uh, commit six and so far i've lost 7.1 kilograms so this is at week five so we can say that which i'm really happy with i've had amazing non-scale victories as well including finding out um that she's safe from redundancies that are happening at work yeah. my question is about that was solely down to the commit to six program yeah we keep so we, yeah like, obviously. Uh, what, what i will say about that though is the amount of people that we have that go for job promotions and get job promotions because they're like do you know what if i can do this i can do other things and i think because fat loss is so integral to like like people's lives and like being in shape like it actually does have this huge impact on your confidence and once you nail that then actually you're like wow look at all this other stuff that I'm capable of doing as well but I also and I also think that um when you're moving more and your mood's increased and those types of things that it makes a big because sometimes the scales have come down a little bit but like you said it's not reflected but the non-scale victories are 
like this they're huge and actually they're like i i thought i only cared about the weight loss or the fat loss um but actually this is all so much more than i expected yeah. so yeah sometimes the link there is that like so much of what we do on commit six isn't directly about like exercise or nutrition right like we're so heavy on like reframing things how do you find positives and that translates to all areas of life and when you're happier healthier and more positive you end up getting more opportunities right this is the whole kind of premise behind the book the what she's done okay me, yeah no, can now you said about the happiness book and yeah, then yeah. you yeah. Oh, okay yeah so the whole premise behind this sorry my mum was calling me that's why i <laughs> that's why i went on silent um i mean that might have been fun to have her on the podcast but maybe, maybe not today um yeah the premise behind this book is essentially that when you are happier more positive you're more likely to go for more opportunities you're more likely to try again when something hasn't worked for you and actually there is this link between happiness and success but most people think oh yeah that link is that when you're more successful you're happier and it's not it's the other way around it's like when you're happier you're more likely to be successful and that's often the link that we see with people on commit to six is like once you start taking care of yourself once you start to trust yourself that you make promises to yourself and you actually show up to them, that you get results, that you've got this confidence. And then obviously all the, all the behaviors that we get you to do are also the same behaviors that make you feel good, right? You're fueling yourself. You've got more nutrients in your diet. You've got higher protein in your diet. You've got, um, you're getting out for walks every day. You're exercising and you're seeing results and you're putting in the effort. And like all of these things make you a happier, healthier, more productive, more motivated, more optimistic person. And as a result, genuinely, your whole life improves. Yeah. I had this conversation with a girl the other day, just saying, I know that it seems like you're asking me for help with fat loss, and I'm giving you strategies that don't seem like they're directly related to fat loss. But it's because if we can calm your mind down, you'll be able to make those choices that align with your goals. But when it's so busy and full, it's really hard to slow it down to make those decisions that you need. So yeah, it, it, it can be really easy to think it's, think it's fat loss. Yeah. And actually, and that often think, often like this yeah. is what I talk about all the time. And I, I think it's so hard to. You've got to get <laughs> oh, My mom really wants to talk to me. Um, we'll do this as the last point anyway, yeah. but this is so hard for people to get their head around. But if you just focus on feeling good, everything falls into place. Like when you think about when you're most motivated, like it's easy to go to the gym when you feel good. It's easy to eat well when you feel good. And if you focus on the behaviors, that, and that's not to say that you will always feel good, right? Nobody always feels good. But if you focus on those behaviors that we know will bring up that baseline level of like how you feel, then actually all the rest kind of becomes easy. And yeah, you still need to take the actions, but the actions are way less hard. I think this is especially true when we work which primarily we do with perimenopausal women who are struggling with symptoms, actually you don't want to go from like struggling to do anything to trying to do it perfectly. What you do is you take that first step. So maybe that's just, can we increase your steps a little bit and add in a bit of protein? Great. Can we now add in some fruit and veg and get you doing a morning routine that's only going to take five minutes? Great. By this point, you start to feel good. 
And then when you start to feel good, your motivation starts to build. And then we add in a workout and then we add in something else. And then before you know it, you are at like doing a lot. But if you try and go from like where you are now to there, like often you just feel like, I can't do it all, so I'm not doing anything. If instead you think, right, okay, well, I'm going to do this because I know that that will improve my mood and my motivation. Then I'm going to do the next step. Then I'm going to do the next step. And you'll get there, 100%. And but it's, it's getting you where you are. And get there without beating yourself up for the emotions that you can then understand the reasons for those emotions. I'm not sleeping enough. I've been stressed at work. You know, all of those things. You can get there by being a little bit kinder to yourself. The, the things that make it easier, not harder. I think that's the focus, yeah. isn't it? The things that make it easier. And actually looking at the rest of her question, it was one that we I covered in her check-in. So I don't know. It was quite a pet. It was like more about her own calories. So oh, okay. um, right. yeah. All right. Really need to, Perfect. Okay, everyone. Thank you for your attention. Um, it's been lovely to have you here, Ruth. If people don't know Ruth, you should go and follow her. And... If you want to sign up to the next Commit to Six intake, head Thank over you. to esgfitness.co.uk forward slash Commit to Six. We are also both more than happy to answer any questions that you have, um, given it's menopause day as well, especially if you're a perimenopausal woman. And genuinely, inboxes are open, even if you're like, I'm not ready to sign up, but I'm struggling with fat loss around menopause. That is literally what we help people with. So feel free to reach out anytime. We have a ton of free resources as well. So ask us for them and we will give you them okay thanks Ruth bye thank you bye